Hello and welcome to Tuesdays at APA Chicago, our monthly after-hours lecture series held at APA's Burnham Conference Center. My name is David Morley. I'm a senior research associate at APA and host of Tuesdays at APA Chicago. You can find information on previous and future presentations on APA's website, www.planning.org, under the section called Events. Selected past programs are also available as podcasts, and you can see the APA website for additional details. Tonight we have with us Christopher Zeman, Chicago's BRT Project Manager. Christopher's position is funded through support from the Rockefeller Foundation, and he works between CTA and CDOT and coordinates the efforts of civic nonprofit groups with city agencies. Christopher received a Master's in Regional Planning from the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, and has worked with the BRT Operating Agency in Curitiba, Brazil. He also led the planning and implementation of Washington, D.C.'s first protected bicycle lane. In Chicago, 1.8 million trips are taken by transit per day, and more than half of these are by bus. However, because Chicago's congestion is the third worst in the country, buses are often caught in traffic, making them slower and less reliable than they should be. For the last five years, the Chicago Transit Authority and the Chicago Department of Transportation have been planning bus rapid transit in the city. Christopher is here tonight to discuss the unique approach that Chicago is using to advance BRT economically, politically, and technically. I invite you to please join me in welcoming Christopher <clears throat> Zeman. Uh, thank you very much, David. Thank you all for braving uh, the elements. I almost didn't make it here myself, so thank you. Um, and so I hope it'll be worth your while. I can't guarantee the, the interesting part or, you know, too many jokes or anything, but um, BRT is a very serious topic, so I'm going to do what I can to liven it up here. All right, so uh, first off, how many people here have heard of bus rapid transit? Has anybody not? No? All right, well, okay, a very educated audience. I like that. Um, so uh, as David was mentioning, uh, my position is funded through the Rockefeller Foundation. I technically work for... Uh, the Chicago Community Trust, a foundation here in Chicago, just in the other uh, side of this, this, this big lobby here, um, <clears throat> in the other tower, I guess it is. Um, and so I work uh, to coordinate the efforts of CDOT and CTA, and then a lot of the nonprofit partners, which I'll go into in a little bit, uh, to, to basically kind of put together the whole Chicago BRT program. Uh, I wanted to give special thanks to the support from the Rockefeller Foundation um, for my job, obviously, but, uh, but also they, they provided a, <clears throat> a lot of really great support to a, on a lot of very critical issues uh, that, that are making BRT uh, in Chicago a success. Uh, also, the, Civic, uh, the Chicago Community Trust has been uh, instrumental in uh, guiding uh, a lot of the, the, the programs and a lot of the work, and then also the Institute for uh, Transportation and Development Policy, who's been uh, providing technical assistance uh, on specific projects, which has been very helpful to us. So what is bus rapid transit? Does anybody want to take a stab at this? Uh, all right. Yes. Three pair of fares, level 40, dedicated to light. All right. Yes, you're all right. <laughs> um, so it's basically making buses run like trains. Um, Obviously, bus lanes, which you know I got a picture of, but you'll all see in a second, um, get them out of congestion, making them faster. Um, because they're faster and they don't get hung up with congestion, they're more reliable. 
Uh, and because they are faster, they, you can transport the same number of people with fewer buses because they don't get the, the buses aren't just sitting in traffic, uh, which makes it operationally a lot more efficient uh, than, than normal bus service. Um, so as the general, what's your name? Ernie. Ernie as Ernie was saying, um, there's uh, cert certain specific elements of BRT. Here are, I think, 11 of the potential elements, um, or 12 of the potential elements that you could use. Uh, and every city is different. Every city uses a different combination of these to fit uh, whatever context uh, is right for them. Yeah, so uh, just about all of them have exclusive bus lanes. Uh, now, whether these are full-time, whether they're part-time bus lanes, like during rush hour only, bus lanes are obviously vital for keeping buses out, out of traffic. Uh, just like trains don't get stuck in traffic, but we don't want buses to be stuck in traffic, too. You know, they can be protected with barriers. They can, the, the enforcement can be done by camera. It can be done by the honor system, um, which I wouldn't particularly recommend. But, yeah. So then um, how, many, how many, I assume, what, how many people are in Brazil? Okay. They've, yeah, the inventors of bus rapid transit back in the 70s. So this is one of their iconic stations. Um, another main feature that uh, just about every BRT system has is a station instead of a bus stop. So it's not, um, you know, just a, a pole with a sign on it or maybe, you know, a shelter with a big ad on it. But, you know, like our train systems uh, have stations, so does bus rapid transit. Um, prepaid boarding, like Ernie was saying, uh, this can be done in a number of ways. But, you know, if you think about how you get on a train, um, you pay when you get there so that if you hear the train coming, you can run up. Uh, and you can just get in and out when you want. Now, these, this can, some places do it with turnstiles, uh, shown here uh, in this Chinese city. Um, and some places do it with uh, proof of payment. Uh, so basically, just about all of Europe does it that way, where you buy your ticket, and then every once in a while, uh, somebody will come around and give you a big fine if you don't uh, have a ticket. Um, vehicles are very different. Um, well, they can be very different from normal buses. This top picture is a... Um, a bus in Cleveland with uh, doors on the left side. It actually has doors on both sides. Um, and this is a Las Vegas uh, BRT bus. Looks very nice, and I've been in it. It is extremely nice. Um, and it has a lot of features that normal buses don't have. For example, um, <clears throat> um, uh, inside, uh, inside the bus, there's the, the stop tracker to show you, what stop, where, you know, where the next five stops are. Um, Another important thing uh, uh, that sets BRT apart uh, and makes it more like train service is the branding of it. Uh, so people have to know that it's a different service. That people have to know that it's not, you know, the, the, the 124 or, you know, the 56 or something, but they have to know that, oh, that's a really fast bus that's more reliable and uh, more efficient. Um, just like on, on trains, uh, there's multiple doors. They're wider than normal bus doors, so people can get in and out at the same time. Uh, and that fits really well with prepaid boarding, so a lot of people can get in and out a lot faster. If you can see down here, I don't know how many of you can see, but level boarding is <clears throat> also very important. Um, I mean, for one, because it, it saves time for everybody. Uh, but for two, it uh, especially saves time for the elderly, the handicapped, uh, and people with strollers. So then um, obviously we all know too that every bus trip starts with a pedestrian trip uh, and so most uh, BRT projects are combined with uh, amenities to the streetscape. Uh, so this is downtown, historic downtown Bogota uh, and they did a wonderful job. Um, 
So it's not just this BRT road going right down here, but it's also you know, a really nice place for pedestrians to be. Uh, so they feel safe, they feel comfortable, they, you know, they, they want to take Transmillennial when they're down there. And it also scores a lot of political points, too. So if you have a neighborhood that's kind of on the fence and doesn't really you know, know if they want it or not, then you offer them a, a brand new streetscape, then, then usually everybody's very happy about it. So here's how it works. Uh, I have a link here. And this is really nice. Uh, it's a really nice soundtrack, too. So, so if you can imagine some really groovy music here. This is Mexico City. Uh, and the Metropolitan Planning Council, they're one of our partners. Um, they uh, went down to Mexico City, uh, checked out the BRT down there. They've also produced a lot of uh, important um, bus rapid transit documents. So you see here the prepaid boarding, level platforms. Yeah. Uh, one thing I didn't talk about is transit signal priority, which are basically radio transponders that um, give the, uh, the that basically give it can either shorten uh, the red light or make the the green light longer, so the buses can go a lot faster. And this guy's making a lot of money off it. Here. All right. Uh, uh, so internationally speaking, um, kind of in, in the international realm, there was a uh, committee put together by folks who wanted to, to develop standards for BRT. Uh, so they developed the BRT standard. Um, uh, basically what this is is it assigns points to each um, of the elements of BRT. There's obviously a lot more than I listed on the, the previous slide. Um, and you know it evaluates existing systems, but it's also used to evaluate uh, systems that are being planned. Now, um, in Chicago, we're, you know, we're using this. We're not using it to, you know, because we you know, officially want gold standard or silver standard, um, and we're, gonna do any, we're counting up the points. That, that's not really how we're using it. We're using it more um, to, see, uh, to kind of find what elements that we could add to it to make a good project great, or you know, a great project even greater. So we're just using it as kind of a guide to, to help us improve um, <clears throat> what we're already doing. Now, um, why are we looking at BRT in Chicago? Well, um, I think the big reason we're finding, and, and I have a graph on this in the next slide, is that uh, we've seen transit ridership grow uh, in the city for the uh, last 10 years or so. Um, however, most of that growth is on uh, rail. So it's on really high service, uh, or high levels of transit with high levels of service. Uh, so, but uh, for some reason, it hasn't been so much on buses, so we want to kind of replicate that <clears throat> success on, on certain bus routes. Um, you know, uh, with, the, with one of our lines, we're looking at down downtown trips, so obviously all of our L lines go downtown, so we want to figure out how to get people uh, around, which will hopefully alleviate some of the pressure on train systems, train lines. Um, uh, there's, there's been some reports about millennials and how they don't drive as much. Or uh, I saw an article recently, um, I wish I could tell you which article, but uh, apparently millennials, or people aged 16 to 34 today drive and actually have driver's licenses uh, at, a, at a rate of 20% less than they did even just 10 years ago. So um, part of this is to uh, accommodate those, the, kind of the changing demographic, uh, not just in Chicago, but, but nationwide. Um, and then... Basically, our roads, uh, I'm sure we all uh, have heard this before, roads that were engineered 50 or 60 years ago aren't really meeting today's needs. Um, so 
here's this uh, graph I was showing. And so you see transit ridership going up, but it's mostly because rail ridership is going up and bus ridership obviously went down until about the mid-90s. But ever since then, it's just been kind of hovering around 300 million riders a year. Uh, and so with, with one little blip up there. But um, so we really want to see if we can improve, uh, increase the capacity or, or the demand for, for bus service or for actually for ridership on certain routes where we think BRT we should go. Um, 26% of Chicago households don't own cars. So in addition to adapting to the millennial generation, we're, we're simply addressing the uh, population um, uh, the, the population qualities that already exist now. Um, and almost a quarter of Chicago is right-of-way, streets, alleys, sidewalks. And so CDOT, I'm sure you've all heard, they're, they're kind of reconfiguring certain streets to put bike lanes and everything on them. Um, and this is a good opportunity for us to, for, for CDOT and CTA, to really reconsider how uh, the streets should function and how people should get around. Um, so the, just a short history, um, we could go way, way back on this, but just a kind of a history of BRT. Um, in the downtown here, it started with the central area plan in 2003 that called for better transit links from Union Station and Ogilvy Center uh, east and then up to uh, Streeterville and River North area. Uh, so that was back in 2003. Um, <clears throat> one of the original ideas was, uh, do you all know Carroll Avenue? Uh, just north of the river. Um, okay, yeah, there's, it's that bridge that's up permanently because it's a train line and it goes under a bunch of buildings. And So there was an idea that uh, that could be a busway. Um, there's certain specific issues with it that uh, would make it a little harder than it, uh, than whatever, uh, harder than it was previously thought. But um, <clears throat> so that's, that's kind of where BRT first uh, started getting seriously thought about. And then, um, then there was this uh, great congestion pricing plan in New York City. Have you all, you all familiar with that and, and where that went? Um, so essentially, with the money that didn't go to New York City, um, it, was, uh, it was granted then to Chicago and L.A., and um, similarly to New York City, uh, Chicago uh, didn't uh, get around to getting those funds. Then in April, oh yeah, that was in April. Uh, however, in 2010, some of these funds were used to, uh, CTA applied to put BRT or BRT elements on three different or four different corridors um, from these funds. And actually, Jeffrey Bull uh, funding for Jeffrey Boulevard was approved. So have you all heard of the Jeffrey Jump? Yeah? Okay, great. It's, yeah, it's, it's jumpy. Um, <laughs> so then um, uh, in 2010, we, uh, FTA also uh, granted FTA, uh, a grant to, to study Western Ashland BRT corridors. The council, council came out with their report, uh, Chicago's New Route Opportunity. But, um, and then this past year, uh, Western Ashland uh, Alternatives Analysis Study kicked off with a couple of public open houses, uh, the Central Loop BRT it kept going and had a, a big public uh, open house and a lot of uh, jump uh, touch points. And then the Jeffrey Jump service began, uh, Jeffrey Jump, which you've all admittedly heard, heard of before. Uh, so now in 2013, uh, we're going to continue these. Uh, we're also looking at a system network plan, which I'll go into a little bit, uh, River North Streeterville BRT study and uh, North Lakeshore Drive. 
study. So there's a lot of opportunity for bus rapid transit in Chicago. Um, we have a million, over a million trips per day. Buses are slow, unreliable. Um, and uh, bus rapid transit essentially, you know, like I was saying, affords service that is comparable to or the rail, or speeds at least that are comparable to the rail with an average of 20 miles an hour. Uh, some BRT can get up to 18, uh, some is uh, 14 or 15. So there's a lot of opportunity. Um, why does Chicago want, or how would Chicago benefit from BRT? Um, well, the speed and reliability, like I said, um, and that's uh, really important, especially for uh, uh, hourly workers. I mean, when I had an hourly job in college, uh, I didn't really care if I got there late. But if I was there for three t late three times, I'd usually get fired. But like I said, I didn't really care because I was in college and whatever. Uh, <clears throat> but if I had a, a wife and three kids, I would, I would care a lot more. So the reliability factor is really important. Uh, and the Texas Transportation Institute made note of that in its um, congestion uh, uh, document that, that it came out with. Um, you know, this is a really good opportunity for uh, CDOT to implement its complete streets policy um, of uh, kind of changing the modal hierarchy. Um, and so they have transit-oriented streets where the transit is actually prioritized over vehicles and, and also bikes and pedestrians. Um, we want to improve the customer experience in, in, in riding the bus. You know, we want to make, <clears throat> and, and when I say riding the bus, we want to say, you know, in BRT, we want to make this a different customer experience, so a lot more rail-like. Um, and uh, what, some of the advantages of it is the efficiency that, that, that comes from it. You know, we can, we can implement it piece by piece, or we can implement it all at once. Um, you know, we can use different pots of funding, you know, mostly because the funds are, uh, the cost of, Putting in BRT is is very uh, tangible. It's not you know three. We don't measure it in the billions. Um, and uh, like I, like I was saying before, it's uh, much more efficient operations. So that lowers the cost. And uh, so some of the challenges. Um, <clears throat> obviously, uh, if you want to do any project, you know you'll have uh, pros and cons. Uh, bus only lanes. You know what do you take out? Do you take out parking? Do you take out travel lanes? Uh, some combination of those, um, you know, uh, station spacing. Um, and then um, one of the, uh, you know, so I actually just came here from Washington, D.C., and in Washington, D.C., we have uh, eight wards. So, so dealing with a number of different aldermen uh, in, in, in Chicago has been somewhat interesting, uh, so by, by a, a, a sizable factor. Um, but with all those different voices, there's also a lot of potential for compromising on the design uh, to make it, you know, just a little bit less efficient to fit specific people's desires. Um, our goals, obviously, to grow ridership, speed up transit in, uh, in the city. We want to have, uh, you know, some short-term improvements that, that can be implemented right away uh, just to kind of set the stage for uh, longer-term BRT. And when I say long-term, I know with, with a lot of rail projects, you know, long-term is 30, 40 years or sometimes never out in the horizon. So this is a lot shorter, longer term. So you've all heard of the jump. Uh, it's a great service. Um, it's Chicago's first foray into uh, bus rapid transit. Um, now, it's not officially bus rapid transit, um, but it's testing a lot of the elements of BRT. Uh, which is really important because once um, you know we get going, once we're ready to implement full bus rapid transit, 
Some of the things that take the longest are if you do things first. So the Jeffrey Jump, it has, um, it's going to have transit signal priority. Um, it's already uh, a branded system, so we've, you know, we know how to brand a system. Um, it's an express route, um, so we eliminated certain, uh, or consolidated certain stops to make it, you know, to save about 10 minutes on the ride. So it's, it's uh, we've also, um, so yeah, this is another slide of where this is going. Uh, so it basically goes downtown, jumps on Lakeshore Drive, and then heads down Jeffrey Boulevard. Um, it's uh, also been, uh, we've incorporated a lot of streetscape elements to it. Uh, there's information kiosks, there's next bus um, signage on it too. So it's, you know, it's, it's a much better service and we see a lot of these, uh, we expect a lot of these are going to go into other BRT um, programs. So Central Loop BRT, have you all heard, we, we made an announcement last week uh, that uh, on our preferred alternative for the Central Loop BRT, have, has everybody heard that? Yeah. Okay. Maybe you read it in Cranes, or maybe on Yahoo, or maybe in the Chicago Tribune, or here, or here, or here, or here, or here, and, and not to brag or anything, but so, so we got some good publicity from this. <laughs> um, so why do we look at Central Loop? Well, first off, it's because of the, the Central Area Plan from 2003, but um, <clears throat> some statistics on Washington and Madison. Uh, you know, we went out and counted. Uh, how many, you know, how are people getting around in Washington, Madison? Well, over half the people walk. So, okay, that's great. But of the people that don't walk, of the people who, who are in vehicles, 47% are in buses, but buses only count for 4% of the number of vehicles. So there's a lot of people, so, so to gain efficiencies in uh, how the streets work, um, we see running buses more efficiently as increasing the, the capacity and the number of people that can get through. Um, we looked at three alternatives. We, we chose alternative two, um, which I'll go into the details a little bit in a second, but it actually just in this two-mile stretch between um, Union Station and Michigan Avenue, uh, it'll save seven and a half minutes, which over two miles is, is substantial. Uh, and it'll only slow vehicle traffic down about a minute and a half. So um, very little impact to, to vehicles, but a huge impact uh, to buses that are using the route. Um, so this is what it'll look like on Washington Street here. We'll have a, actually a protected bike lane built into it. Uh, and it's protected with the bus only lane. Uh, there'll be a station platform with level boarding um, on Madison. Uh, there's actually currently a bike lane on Madison Street now. Uh, but because it's five feet narrower than Washington, uh, we are moving it to Randolph Street, and we're also making it better by making it a protected bike lane. So, uh, so you don't have to worry about buses and taxis and stuff clipping you over. Um, this is, uh, so these are basically <clears throat> the routes. Uh, there's going to be six different bus routes using this. Um, so in peak hour, there should be a bus about every, uh, I think, minute and a half or two minutes. And the nice thing about it is uh, they all pretty much go the same place. So, um, the, you know, if, if for, for tourists or visitors, you know, you can just get on any bus and it'll, it'll go over there. Um, the, we're going to rebrand the current 124 route, which, do, do people know the 124 route? I guess if you came here, you might have come here by it, yeah. Um, so it already connects Union Station to Navy Pier. Um, so this will be rebranded. Um, and there might be other little service changes. But this will 
uh, essentially make it a lot easier for <clears throat> tourists and for workers to get from uh, and Ogilvy Center uh, to uh, up through downtown uh, and then up to Navy Pier. So. Um, I know where we think it's going to be now, but that could change. Yeah. So, but I think David. Right. Yeah. I mean, well, okay. Yeah. Uh, why, why don't we get to that after the presentation? Because David asked me to. Uh, David asked me to. Or do you have just a question on the slide? Or that hasn't been decided yet. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, yeah, so, um, and, and one of the reasons is because implementation, uh, the route probably won't start till the end of 2014. So we're still a long ways off, and, and we have a lot of time. But if you have ideas on what you'd like, please, please let us know. Um, so essentially, so, so the reason we're focusing on uh, the 124, I mean, right now it's kind of a tourist route. It runs every half hour, maybe every 20 minutes. It's, you know, and, and, and it goes to Navy Pier. It's great. I mean, it's a great service if, you know, you happen to be there. Um, but we see a lot of potential for uh, increasing the um, number of riders that come in on Metra who, you know, <clears throat> come in at Ogilvy or, or Union Station who happen to work up here, over here or something. Uh, we, see, we see a lot of potential of capturing those because, um, uh, be, you know, just to make it a, a, an easier and a more comfortable um, option to get around. Um, it also adds, uh, it, it also makes the East Loop and Streeterville River North area a lot more attractive uh, to workers and to employers. Um, and it'll, it'll uh, provide a lot more access to a much more diverse uh, workforce. Um, and then uh, also there's a Union Station, Station Transit Center. Uh, the, currently there's a parking lot just south of Union Station, so that'll be converted. Uh, to this transit center. It'll have a, a base for um, 12 different buses. Uh, it'll also have an underground pedestrian tunnel to connect it uh, with uh, next bus uh, or, or transit tracker uh, screens inside Union Station so that people, you know, if it's winter, people uh, can wait inside and then they see their buses coming in two minutes and then they can go outside instead of having to wait outside forever. Um, and it's a good spot because um, <clears throat> that's where all the buses are going to go. So, so if you need to catch a bus, that's where you can go, a bus that, that goes near there. Um, so this is a, a very nice rendering with very happy people uh, waiting for buses. Um, here is uh, another rendering. with It's very good for children and, 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 and things like that. Uh, and now the Western and Ashland uh, BRT corridors. So these are um, probably... The, 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 well, this is the, probably the most robust um, and, and rail-like uh, potential for bus rapid transit in the city. Why are we looking at Western Ashland? Well, they're the second and third highest ridership routes in the system uh, with 10 and 9, you know, they're, they're, they're about the same, 10 and 9 million passengers per year, about 30,000 per day. Um, on Western, 18% of people are riding in buses. In Ashland, about 14% of people are riding in in buses, which are 1% of the vehicles. Um, and with the way we modeled it, um, we estimate that the current uh, rider who takes Ashland or Western, uh, Ashland or Western, uh, would save about 50 to 65 hours a year, which is essentially um, a week's worth of vacation. So you're welcome. <laughs> um, 
Now, in addition to the highest, uh, some of the highest ridership in the CTA system, it also has some of the worst congestion too. So, uh, and you know, if you ask anybody where the best BRT is going to go, it's you know where you have the highest demand and the slowest speeds. So, uh, <clears throat> um, so here is a map, and this is all on the the CTA website too. But here's a map of you know where we. Uh, suggest that that stops will go and and it'll essentially follow the the ends of the routes will follow the the current 49 and 9 bus routes so uh, for now I mean that could get extended or or, or whatever um, <clears throat> but we're we're expecting 80 uh, percent increase in speeds which is almost doubling it um, and uh, the projects would not be that expensive they cost about you know between 100 and 200 million dollars for uh, and that's throughout a 16 mile corridor so um, and then just to give an example uh, so and this is all up on the website too so if you have any questions I can direct you there just to give you an example so we're looking at four different alternatives and what these alternatives are uh, I guess before you get kind of hung up on the numbers and where the lanes are so these alternatives are mostly just to um, pick a vision for the corridor uh, we know that every, like Western and Ashland, they have very different parts. You know, the Kinsey Industrial Corridor is very different from Lincoln Park, which is very different from UIC and IMD, you know, which is very different from 95th Street. Uh, so we know that. But these, so, so these kind of configurations, they're just the general vision to kind of guide how we're going to move forward. And then we'll figure out where we, uh, where we need to make context-sensitive solutions. And so, so these figures here, they're assuming... Uh, which you know is the only way we can do until we get into engineering. Um, we're assuming that uh, the alternatives shown would be uh, how they would operate throughout the whole corridor. So um, the two on the right here have the bus lanes going on the side, and then the two down the middle have the bus lanes uh, going in the middle. Um, and this one and this one would take out the median and would take off one side of parking. Uh, along the corridor, and then these two would keep parking uh, and then keep the planted medians and actually include a lot more planted medians, um, and then, but it would take out a lane of traffic. So there's definitely trade-offs, like I was saying, you know, where do you put the bus lanes and everything, but this is, you know, a geometric, essentially a geometric uh, exercise uh, because we, you know, because of cost and because of time, uh, it's important that we stay within the 70-foot uh, cross-section. Um, can we ask questions at the end? Or is, okay. Um, so just to give you an example, um, buses would increase here by 82%, so they'd be going about 18 and a half miles an hour. Uh, and these alternatives, they'd be going 15 uh, and a half miles an hour. Um, we see really good, really big increases in um, uh, reliability, so 50%, 40, 30, 10. Uh, and one of the reasons that <clears throat> the curbside uh, lanes aren't as reliable is because um, you know people uh, essentially vehicle people can use them, uh, people have to use them to parallel park, you know, taxis will stop in them and everything, so, so that's why they're, they, they still don't have the same reliability as uh, center running. Um, they improve operations 43, or 37 to 43%, um, and uh, they keep uh, most of the parking. So in the ones that obviously take parking off of one side, they'll only keep 47% of parking, but in the ones that <clears throat> leave most of the parking, they'll still be left with 95 or 97% of the parking. And this is along the whole 16-mile corridor. So some, you know, the, if, if you're taking two spots here, two spots there, it's 
Um, it's, it's much more minimal. Um, we're also, as I mentioned before, starting a system network plan, so basically deciding where uh, the next 10 or 15 or 12 or 8 uh, bus rapid transit lines are going to go. Um, this is a map from the Metropolitan Planning Council, uh, and they, they did a little study, or they did a study uh, back in 2011, as I mentioned, to look at where, uh, where they, rec they would recommend um, Line. So we're going we're gonna, to you know, use the work that they did. They did a lot of great, great work there, put a lot of great data together. Um, to figure out where, you know, to kind of have the roadmap of, of where we should be looking at BRT. Uh, you know, similar to the, are you all familiar with the Streets for Cycling plan? City's bicycle plan. So uh, it essentially shows where, the, where bike improvements are going to go throughout the city. So this is a similar exercise, but with BRT. Um, <clears throat> And then in the plan, we're going to be looking at short and long-term recommendations. So um, obviously, we can't build 10 uh, tomorrow. So we're going to be looking at you know, which are the first ones, but then also in the ones later down the road, what are some short-term improvements we can make to speed up buses that tee, it up, that tee those corridors up for BRT in the future. Uh, we're also uh, going to have a financing plan to figure out how to pay for this, because that's important too. Um, an outreach plan to make sure that communities are involved and engaged uh, with the process. Um, you know, so we and you know, hopefully we can use this as a catalyst to address other issues that 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 exist in communities. And this should be starting this spring and take about a year. Um, so one of the things that makes Chicago really unique in the country and probably the world, and I've never actually even heard of this, is the BRT Steering Committee. So obviously CDOT and CTA, you know, CTA runs the buses, CDOT runs the streets, they're involved, obviously. But um, this BRT Steering Committee uh, was formed with a number of different nonprofit partners. And I've never uh, honestly heard of any other uh, BRT system that has such uh, involvement with its nonprofit partners. Uh, and, uh, you know, they all have different uh, missions. Um, and different roles, the Chicago Architecture Foundation, uh, you know, Active Transportation Alliance, uh, they all have different um, aspects of BRT and why they're interested in BRT, whether it's, you know, urban design of uh, the city or whether it's, you know, more efficient uh, operations of government functions. Uh, but what it, what, one of the strengths it has, it lends us, is <clears throat> that it uh, gives us so many different perspectives and makes it a much more well-rounded project. So, um, and which uh, obviously, you know, like if you look at like highway projects, for example, then they, they don't have this level of inclusiveness. And so, you know, consequently, um, you know, where I'm from in Wisconsin, you know, uh, cemeteries were moved or, you know, double-decker highways were, were proposed next to schools and things like that. So, so this is, is it's a lot more inclusive of process and it's a lot more well-rounded. And um, the... So the Chicago Architecture Foundation, um, they put together, uh, have y'all, did y'all see the Chicago Architecture Foundation What is BRT uh, exhibit that was around last year for about six months? Yeah, folks, okay, you have, okay, thank you. <laughs> so they put that together, it was a really great introduction to BRT, what is BRT, BRT in Chicago, um, you know, what the advantages of BRT. And then they also put together, sorry? And then they also put together a panel of um, <clears throat> experts from around the country, from New York City, San Francisco, Cleveland, uh, talk about some of their experiences and some of, you know, and the reasons why they're really uh, uh, standing behind bus rapid transit. They also put together 
some teen workshops, like weekend teen workshops to, to get kids involved in, in why bus rapid transit is, is interesting uh, and how it, it could fit into urban design. Um, the Active Transportation Alliance um, has been really, really instrumental with a lot of outreach. They actually have a, a program called Riders for Better Transit, which stems from the fact that um, probably the most vocal um, transportation advocates are bikers, uh, even though they, they, they're only about 1 or 2% of the mode share. So you know, this is to kind of <clears throat> uh, gather uh, the support of, of, of you know, the 30, 40% of, of mode share uh, users that are transit riders uh, and to get them uh, to get their voice heard as well. So they've been really instrumental. They and Metropolitan Planning Council have been reaching out to uh, neighborhood groups all around the all around the city, uh, chambers of Congress and and or chambers of commerce. Uh, yeah, not Congress. That would be silly. Um, <clears throat> chambers of commerce, uh, CDCs, that type of thing. Um, and they, they've been putting together grassroots action. They have online petitions and, you know, like contact your alderman if something's coming up. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they love BRT, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's funny. Uh, the Metropolitan Planning Council um, has been working on bus rapid transit for a while. Uh, here's that map again. Um, and they've, uh, they've been also working with Active Trans to, to promote um, or to, to educate community groups on bus rapid transit. And then um, in addition, they've also been reaching out to uh, kind of on the developer side. So they have, uh, MPC has a much more kind of community development focus or reason that they're interested in bus rapid transit. Uh, and so they've been working, uh, like I said, with developers and with community groups to, to to ensure that BRT can be used as a catalyst in their communities um, with transit-oriented development or you know, different, different ways. Uh, and the Civic Consulting Alliance, um, are you all familiar with the Civic Consulting Alliance? Okay, they, they, they essentially they recruit pro bono work from firms to uh, assist uh, with making government, uh, basically working on projects for governments uh, or making government more efficient uh, in certain ways. So they uh, looked at um, <clears throat> uh, some ways to make the, the, the 124 Central Loop line uh, a lot more financially sustainable. You know, different marketing opportunities or, or working with the private sector on that. Um, let's see. And then the Chicago Community Trust um, is uh, a local foundation, like I said here, that, that <clears throat> um, gives a, uh, provides a lot of support for community uh, involvement and community development, um, and they have been, you know, kind of leading the, kind of organizing the whole BRT steering committee uh, and providing a lot of uh, strong advice and a lot of support. Um, so uh, what kind of stuff has the Chicago BRT program uh, been doing? Uh, well, branding, uh, obviously, is, is very important, especially since you've all heard of the jump, right? That's, that's okay, that, that's the brand. Uh, but every other system, uh, <clears throat> um, successful system has had a brand. Uh, the Cleveland BRT is called the Health Line because it's um, the, uh, and that's basically the connection between two major hospitals in Cleveland. Um, the Max here in, actually there's about four or five different BRTs in the country called the Max, so I don't know where this is. Um, but uh, A5 has been our consultant on it. <clears throat> so we're developing branding standards. We're working with CTA uh, actually to 
to uh, re-look at how they brand all their services and where BRT is going to fit into that. So, so it's been very exciting and, and, and everybody's taking it very seriously. Um, as far as communications go, we have a website uh, up, uh, brtchicago.com. Um, I hope you've all seen it. Uh, we also have a newsletter, and there's a sign-in sheet back there uh, for the, to, to get our uh, monthly newsletter, so please sign up. It's not very long, and you can delete it if you don't want it, uh, but it helps us uh, get our message out. Um, also, you know, at the beginning, we put together a strategic communications plan to, to kind of guide people on what roles their, you know, what their, what their roles are, what our priorities are, how this fits in. Uh, we've also used uh, some focus groups to, to test different messaging and, and, and branding. Uh, and then we also have a media plan, too. Uh, outreach, um, like I said, we, uh, Active Transportation Alliance and the Metropolitan Planning Council, uh, in addition to CDOT and CTA, have been reaching out to neighborhood groups all around the city and aldermen. Uh, they've also held three pop-up meetings, and that's kind of one of these new ways of getting people involved. Uh, they went out to different bus stops, and uh, it's actually in the picture that, with the, the women from Auburn Gresham. That, that, that you know. Um, that was one of the pop-up meetings where they uh, go out to, where they went out to bus stops and train stations along Ashland and Western to basically talk to people who never show up at public meetings because, um, you know, that's, that's definitely a certain, it, sometimes there's only certain people that go and then there's a lot of people that, that aren't the type to go at all. So it was, it was to, to educate them and to get them involved uh, as well. Um, now the next phase, uh, which is basically this year, uh, they're are going to use the lessons learned from that um, that uh, last year and apply them to River North Streeterville, apply them to North Lakeshore Drive, uh, apply them to citywide organizations as well uh, as we're working out the, the as we're uh, moving ahead with the system network plan. And then um, we're also organizing our supporters a lot better uh, too, so so we can call on them if we need them for 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 a meeting or anything like that. Um, the Chicago Architecture Foundation is going to be running a design competition, and I can't say too much about it, except um, they don't like neon. So this, uh, no, 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 they wouldn't. Uh, but there will be an announcement in the next few weeks about the with the details and everything on that. But I just really like this picture because, uh, yeah, first prize, right? <laughs> uh, but this is in Las Vegas. Uh, this is a rendering of, of uh, yeah, if you can imagine. Um, they have a program of reusing a lot of the old neon uh, in their BRT stations. So, uh, so it's to kind of rebrand downtown and, and make it exciting and hip again uh, when you're going to your Western cash registry here. Uh, so we're also working with the Civic um, Consulting Alliance to put together a business advisory group uh, to engage the business leaders uh, on the downtown central loop. And essentially this was modeled after other cities that have done this because um, as we all learned, especially with the uh, fall of communism in 1989, that governments don't market well. So, uh, <laughs> so um, this is an ad, for example, in, in Washington, D.C. for their circulator where they have a similar group uh, which says increase your circulation. Um, I don't know if uh, CDOT or CTA would, 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 would dare to say something like that. But the, their, their bus is their circulator, so increase your circulation. So uh, this group could, you know, could include, uh, like I said, marketing expertise, surveys, data collection, um, you know, whatever it kind of develops into. And, and, you know, in each city it's a little different, you know, based on whatever, what, what the needs are and things. Uh, but it also uh, <clears throat> helps 
build uh, political support downtown for the bus rapid transit because you know they're essentially making it helping us make it better by by tailoring it to the people that we're actually serving with it. Um, and then uh, we're all, there's an element of land use coordination too. So uh, the Department of Housing and Economic Development, they're going to be starting a study soon uh, to look at Western and Ashland Avenue to essentially look at how they can apply zoning and other changes to promote uh, development around the BRT corridors. So um, <clears throat> looking at parking, uh, looking at different types of incentives uh, they could provide for developers um, and, and uh, see, you know, kind of examining what kind of BRT-related amenities uh, developers uh, could provide to make the BRT work. Um, because obviously, transportation and land use are very linked. Since we're all at APA, I'm sure we're very familiar with that fact. Um, <clears throat> and MPC uh, is supporting DHEAD, um, and they're supporting it a lot more from the private side. So, uh, so where, why, whereas DHEAD is, is working on kind of the government side and the zoning side and, and everything, um, MPC is putting together data for developers to make it more attractive to um, develop around these locations. Um, they, and uh, I'd like to put a plug in. There's a bus rapid transit roundtable uh, this Friday from noon to 1.30. And I think lunch is provided. And uh, it's going to be at the Metropolitan, Metropolitan Planning or uh, Council's um, office at uh, Dearborn and Adams. So if you, you can look on their website, uh, it'll, there'll be a lot of <clears throat> interesting people. Gabe Klein will be there. Um, uh, CTA will be there also. Um, Warren Ribley, the executive director of the Illinois Medical District, will be there too. So, so it'll, it'll be a lot of fresh uh, ideas about BRT. Um, so actually, you know, that's it. Uh, stay in touch. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. And just as a reminder, as we open this up to Q&A, just put your hands up and I'll come to you with the microphone so that we can record your question for the podcast. Thanks. Thank you. I live right near Western Avenue, and my question to you is, have you looked at the percentage of trucks that run up and down Western and up and down Ashland Avenue, and how would they fit in with the proposed plans? Uh, that's a great question. We have looked at that. Um, we're doing... So in the first phase, which, which uh, basically I talked about, it was more the planning phase. Um, then this next phase is the, the concept engineering, so where we're, kind of, where we're looking at each individual intersection. Um, there's, I know that there's been, in the last couple of weeks, there's been um, people counting traffic out there, counting left turns, right turns, counting you know, trucks, taxis, et cetera. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're definitely uh, looking at that. We don't have any answers yet. Um, so if, if you have an opinion on something, we'd love to hear it. Um, and uh, we're also working with the Industrial Council of Near West uh, Chicago, um, which is around the Kinsey Industrial Corridor there. Uh, and so we've met with them a couple times, and um, we uh, are going to meet with them quite often during this process. Because obviously, um, you know, uh, obviously nobody wants to put anybody out of business. You know, this, this project is to make the city better uh, and not hurt certain actors of the city. Uh, you know, certain employers and things like that. So yes, we're definitely looking at freight. I think it's great that you have such a broad coalition of organizations that have a stake in this. Um, but I'm wondering, 
at the end of the day, who has the largest stake and who is making sure that this is going to get implemented? And then a second question, is PACE doing anything with bus rapid transit? Um, well, the second question first, PACE is uh, doing a little bit with bus rapid transit. I mean, I'm not f too familiar with what they're doing. I know that they, you know, they, they have their driving on the shoulder. Um, but <clears throat> who is in charge of implementing this? That was your question. Um, well, that's, that's why the coordination between CTA and CDOT is so important. Uh, because basically CT CDOT run, you know, controls the streets and CTA uh, runs the buses. So both of them, but obviously there's a lot of input from you know, the nonprofit organizations on how they should do this, how they should implement it. Uh, could you tell us about the, uh, if you've done any analysis on the cost per passenger mile, let's say, to run a bus, a regular bus, a, a bus rapid transit, and say an L train? Because obviously I think the issue here is an L train is more efficient, but it's much more expensive to build the infrastructure in the first place mm -hmm. than a bus. bus uses primarily existing streets. Right. But the cost per mile, I would guess, is higher on a bus per passenger mile. For operation or construction? Well, for, for operation, uh -huh. primarily fuel, but also maybe the driver, because you can have one driver for, you know, maybe two mm -hmm. buses, whereas you've got one motorman <clears throat> for an eight-car L train. Right. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, we have looked at that. Um, we, uh, so, so bus rapid transit, and I, sh I showed you there was this... Uh, study way back, or this, these figures way back at Western and Ashland Avenue, way, way, way back, uh, that um, show the operational efficiency over our current bus service. So BRT is about 43% uh, or 37% more efficient to operate than, than current bus system. Yeah. Well, we're, um, we're actually, we're, I mean, we're, we're kind of figuring out the service plan right now. Um, the intention is to keep some local bus service, um, you know, because people like that, people want it. Um, but, uh, yeah, but, so it would, it would augment it, essentially. To operate? Yeah. No, I don't. You mentioned that you recognize the differences in the different areas in the 16-mile stretch. Are, are you only looking at the possibility of one option and not maybe a combination of options to accommodate those different needs? Uh, <clears throat> yes, we are. Uh, yeah, yeah, and, and yeah, that, that's yeah, that was why I, I brought that up. That you know, we know that that's very different. So, um, I mean, so we're expecting along this, you know, along one corridor. Uh, to make variations in it. But, but like I said, when we wanted to, you know, when, when we look at this and we want to come up with a preferred alternative, it's more the vision of how, you know, we envision most of the street will look. But yeah, but, you know, every block is different. Every neighborhood's different. Every retail center is different. So, yeah, it'll be treated differently. Uh, two quick questions. Um, I really do appreciate the all-in approach that's happening with multiple agencies working on this and spearheading it. Um, one question I have toward financing this would be uh, the city has a density bonus, but it's only applicable 
in downtown, very highly zoned areas, basically FAR 10 or above, where you can do the adopt, adopt a station. You provide some funds to improve a station, and you get some density, and it's calculated as to how much you uh, would be able to build more of over the base zoning. So my question with that is, as a financing mechanism, has it been looked at that the city could retool the zoning code so this would apply in neighborhood districts on these corridors where developers could put into a fund that would build out and maintain some of the transit stations? It's a very good idea. Um, <laughs> um, D, uh, it's been talked about a little bit, uh, and DHEAD hasn't started their study, but I could see that being uh, at least one of the preliminary recommendations. And then my other question was, how committed is CDOT to signal priority? Because Cleveland does not do signal priority with the health line, and it it really minimizes the total time savings that the health line could provide. The signals just sort of change on the same cycle that the rest of the traffic changes, including holding the transit signal for left turns mm -hmm. and the like. So how committed are they? <laughs> Yeah, I know the city never turned it on because they complained it would disrupt traffic, which to my my response to that is, well, no offense to Cleveland, but what traffic? Euclid's kind of empty. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, the city's very committed to trans, uh, TSP, transit signal priority. Um, they actually already have it in a few intersections on Western Avenue, and it's going to be going in on Jeffrey Boulevard this spring. So you had asked about, or you had commented that the long-term in this BRT project uh, horizon is not as long-term as maybe for rail. So what is long-term? When do we expect to see um, the Ashland and Western and the Central and the uh, lines that have been already um, well into the planning stages, when are those anticipated to be completed and operational? And then beyond that, uh, what about additional phases? Okay. Um, well, the, uh, I mean, Central Loop, the calendar right now, um, and everything is uh, dependent upon the, the gods of the Department of Procurement Services. But, uh, <laughs> but um, the, the expectation for the Central Loop right now is that construction should start next year, <clears throat> and then service will hopefully start by the end of next year. Um, and Western and Ashland, um, the engineering is taking place, or it's the preliminary engineering is starting to take place now, uh, as far as data collection and everything. Um, and then the, uh, the engineering, uh, I mean, you know, best case scenario, the construction would also start next year, uh, whether that's spring or fall, you know, I can't say. And then, um. Hopefully, uh, I mean, ideally by 2014, 2015, uh, but, you know, that could be as late as 2016 or something uh, for Western Ashland. And then as far as the other ones, um, a lot of it depends on funding because, you know, for example, Western Ashland, there's, there's no construction dollars yet for that. So that, that, that could also hold it up a lot, whereas Central Loop, um, they already have the grant from FTA. And, uh, <clears throat> but, um, you know, I mean, as far as the other ones, um, you know, it, it there's you know three to five year horizon per uh yeah per per line perhaps you know depending on political will depending on funding that sort of thing so there's a lot of dependence but yeah at the beginning of your talk you mentioned the uh, some future activity lakeshore drive um 
It's just very intriguing. I wonder if there's anything you can tell us about what might happen on Lakeshore Drive. Um, not too much yet. I know, and it's not my project. So, so, and it's not just a BRT project. It's it's um, yeah, it's a big construction project. So, there's a lot of ideas, and I know it's a pretty long time horizon. So, uh, there's not much to say yet. Well, if there are no further questions, let's have one more round of applause for Christopher Zeman. On behalf of the American Planning Association, I want to thank Christopher Zeman for a thought-provoking and informative program on BRT in Chicago. Thanks also to the many APA staff members who help make this program possible every month. Information on previous and future presentations is available on APA's website, www.planning.org, under the section called Events. I'm David Morley.